All right, tonight we are tackling a new character in our study of faith walkers. Isaac is our chosen character tonight. And I have to admit, Isaac almost didn't make the cut. Uh, going through Hebrews 11, trying to decide which ones to try to pick up this year as we finish up the <clears throat> the year studying special characters in the Bible. And Isaac's in there, and he's mentioned a whole lot in the Bible. God often called himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So uh, Isaac's famous, but he's kind of boring. Not not much about Isaac's life, not much exciting anyway. Uh, maybe it's because he's sandwiched in between two such biggies. He's in between Abraham, his father, who was the father of many nations, and he's in between his son Jacob, who was the head of the tribes of Israel, and both of them had uh, all kinds of great stories of faith and <clears throat> excitement around them, and Isaac just doesn't have much uh, his marriage is kind of interesting, and we'll talk about that a little bit in a couple of weeks. Uh, he dug a lot of wells and had a lot to do with wells. I, I was doing a little research, and I found one preacher had preached a sermon on Isaac, and the title of it was, Well, Well, Well. So <laughs> uh, we're not going to do that one. But anyhow, Isaac... Uh, doesn't have a whole lot in his life, but the interesting thing about him, and the reason I finally picked him uh, to do is to spend some weeks on, is because he was involved in two of the greatest faith stories in the Bible. He was a key character in two of the greatest faith stories ever. Now, he wasn't aware of them. Uh, one, he wasn't born yet, and that story was his birth. And the other one, we don't know how aware he was. He, he was a young man of some age when he was uh, sacrificed. Uh, those two great stories. But Isaac's really not the faithful one in those stories. <clears throat> but the more I thought about it, I thought, let's, let's kind of look at those two stories, maybe from Isaac's uh, view a little bit more than we did before and a number of years ago. We did that when we studied Abraham, but they're such great faith stories, I just couldn't let them go. I thought Isaac, Isaac will remind us of these things. So tonight we're going to talk about his birth. Uh, next week we're going to talk about his sacrifice. Isaac was the child of promise. And that's the story that we've got to understand first is that promise and how his birth came about. It's a long story. Uh, it takes a lot of years. We can read it pretty quickly, but it's going to take a number of years. Let's go to Genesis chapter 12. <clears throat> we get the first part of it. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Okay. There's the first faith Story. I mean, that's the one that's the most famous. That's the one that uh, Abraham gets in the hall of faith for. 
by faith he did what God said. And you just read that four verses, and the command is very easy to understand. Leave your country. And the promise is very easy to understand. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless those who bless you. I'll give you many children and nations and all of that. But it really doesn't make sense, does it? I mean, how many questions would you have had at that point? Yeah, we've talked about this before. That's why Abraham was counted as righteousness, because he did it completely by faith. Leave your country. That's a command, but seems awfully incomplete to us, doesn't it? For what, for where, when, how, all these things God doesn't say. He just says, go. So that's the start of the promise, the, the original promise. Now we go over to chapter 15, and God gives us a little more. Abraham was 75 back then, remember. Chapter 15, verse 2. Or we can start at one. Uh, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield. Your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You've given me no children. So a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Okay, now here's an interesting thing and remember this because when we get to reading from Romans, we're going to find a few problems. Abram, we don't know exactly how old he was here. He's more than 75 and less than 86, so he's somewhere in there. And he talks to God and says, God, I know you promised me this. I know you said I was going to have children and many nations and all of that, but I don't have any. I haven't had a kid yet. In fact, under the laws, my chief steward, he'll get everything if I die right now. And so God showed him the stars. He said, don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of it. You are going to have a child, and you're going to have many children, many offspring, more than the stars. Chapter 16, the next piece of the, the story, the whole chapter of 16. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, "Uh, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan ten years, Sarah uh, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, you're responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my servant in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your servant is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. 
Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur, and he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now with child and you will have a son and you shall name him Ishmael. For the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Beer Laroi. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. And Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. All right, gets a little complicated here now, doesn't it? Uh, We're up to 86. We've waited 11 years. We haven't got the son yet. Sarai and Abram cook up this idea that Abram went along with, had a child by Hagar, and things got rocky real quick. Hagar tried to run away. God sent her back. You, you know the story of uh, Hagar and Ishmael there. Um, once again, a little problem here when we get to Hebrew or Romans because it's going to speak so highly of Abram's faith that we'll come back and wonder about this. Well, if he had such great faith, why did he lie with Hagar? Well, evidently he reasoned through it somehow that you know, God said he was going to have a son. He didn't say Sarah was going to have a son. God had promised him a son. So if he had to use a concubine to do it, okay, maybe that was all right. But anyhow, we get this boy Ishmael now when Abram's 86. All right, now jump down to chapter 17. Let's read a couple of verses out of there. And we'll skip 13 years. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram, your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. Okay, jump down to verse 15. God also said to Abram, Abraham, as for Sarai your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai, her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of prophets, will, kings of, prof, of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? And Abram said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son. And you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I've heard you. I'll bless him. 
I'll make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He'll be the father of twelve rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. All right. Ninety-nine years old. Twenty-four years from the original covenant. We got the promise down to a year now. It's going to happen, Abram's been told. All right, let's jump to 21 and finish the story. Chapter 21, verse 1. Now, the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did uh, for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant, bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the son the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. And when his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. All right, so there's the story of the promise and the birth and the intervening problem of Ishmael. Now, there are a few little problems in there. Remember, what we're trying to do is learn how to faith walk. Okay, so we're watching Abraham. We're seeing how he faith walked. And we're going to read a description of his faith walk now over in Romans. So I printed it out for you. It's on Romans chapter 4. Turn over there if you want, but it's on your handout. Verses 18 through 22. Paul is writing about Abraham and using his, him as an example. Listen to what he said. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. But he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. Okay, there's Paul's description of the story that we just read, and quite frankly, they seem to disagree a little bit. Remember what Abraham did? He, he questioned God, Where, where's the son? He rigged up the deal with Hagar and got the son another way. He laughed when God told him. He, he did a number of things in there that make us think, well, his faith was a little shaky. But Paul tells us, so this is the truth, his faith never wavered. It didn't weaken. And that tells us a lot about faith. Okay? You may have the idea that if you're not 100,000% convinced that everything is going to be fine tomorrow, that you don't have faith. But this story tells us it's okay to question God. It's okay to wonder a little bit. It's okay to admit, I don't know how this is going to work. 
Because Abraham did all those things. But his faith never wavered. His faith was strong all the way through. Now let's look at some of the things Paul said here. And I think they'll teach us a little more about Abraham's faith. First of all, he says, the promise was against all hope. Against all hope, Abraham hoped. Now, hope is a confidence that something's going to happen. And it's not just a wish. It's not just wishing somebody, you know, wish Bill Gates would leave me in his will, you know. I can wish that, but I don't have any hope for that. That a hope has confidence that something's going to happen. And what Paul says is, in this case, there was no basis for hope. I mean, just looking at the story. Okay, we're 75 when we start. We're 86 when we do the Ishmael thing. We're 99 before God gets around to it. That's, there's no reason for hope there. What's the only reason for hope? I mean, what do you think Abraham told his friends? What do you think they all told him? When he was 75, 86, 98, I don't care. Yep, I'm going to have a boy. No, there's no hope, Abraham. Ain't going to happen. There is no reason for hope except one thing, one one little minor problem or a little answer called God. When Abraham questioned him, what did God do? Come outside with me. Come out here and look. Just look at the stars. You know, count those if you think you can. I did that. I'm going to get you a boy. Okay, that's where the hope was. The hope was in nothing that we call hope. Except God. His hope was in God. Paul admits there wasn't any hope. Except for the fact that God was involved. Okay, not only was it against all hope, Paul tells us it was against all facts. I mean, logic this out. That's my specialty. I logic things out. I think through them. Okay, I can figure out how this will happen. Okay, the facts in this case, uh, you don't get there. In fact, Paul gets pretty blunt about it. He says the fact was Abraham's body was as good as dead, and poor old Sarah wasn't in the prime of life either. The facts are they're not going to have a baby. But God said they were. Uh, we're talking facts here. We're talking things that you can and can establish, that you can talk to other people about and, and reason through. I think I read it one time. Somebody wrote a little parody about Abraham and Sarah going to the Shalom Fertility Clinic. And the nurse at the desk is taking down all the information. Uh, you're 90, ma'am? Yeah, okay. And you're 100? Uh-huh. And how many children have you had so far? None? Okay. I mean, you go on and on with that. There aren't any facts. 
no facts to support this preposterous thing. Okay? But that's where the faith comes in. Paul said, against the facts. He faced the fact, and he still believed. He didn't waver in his unbelief. Okay? That's probably the biggest thing Paul says, is that Abraham's faith never wavered. He always believed. He always believed that God was, that God had the power to do this, and since God said he would do it, then he would do it. If you ask Abraham, how do you think God's going to do that? He had no answer. We already established that. There was no reason for hope. There was no facts for hope. But he always believed. Okay? Comes back to what I already mentioned. That tells us, that proves us that it's okay to wonder. It's okay to act. That doesn't mean your faith is wavering. God's okay with that. Every major character we've studied... I think, did, went through that some. Questioned God. Some of them even argued with him a little bit. But they're in the hall of faith. Yeah. Deep down, Abraham's faith never wavered. Okay. Last point I want to get from this birth and childhood, I called it. Wasn't much of a childhood because it happened when he was weaned. But uh, let's go over to Genesis chapter 21 and finish. The story, go down to verse 8 where we stopped reading. Okay, the child grew and was weaned. And on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had born to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son. For that slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. We've got a few family problems here, as you can tell. The, the matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, Don't be so distressed about the boy and your maidservant. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the maidservant into a nation also, because he's your offspring. Well, early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. When the water and the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the, the bushes. Then she went off and sat down nearby and a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. When she sat there nearby, she began to sob. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him. From Egypt. Okay, that's the end of the story as far as we're concerned. We know that that story of Isaac and Ishmael never ended. It's still causing trouble, uh, still rolling, the enmity between them. But the point I want you to catch in this, and I think we sometimes read over it so quickly that we don't pay attention. This says, the matter distressed Abraham greatly 
because it concerned his son. Sometimes we forget that Ishmael was Abraham's boy. And had been for 14 years, is it? <laughs> yeah, 14 years before Isaac was born. Okay, So now Isaac's weaned, and so that makes Ishmael somewhere in the middle teens. He's 15 or so. Okay, But it's necessary for Abraham to get rid of his son. He's got to send him off into the desert. He's got to do it with the faith that God said, I'll take care of him. And the reason you have to get rid of him is because my plan is through Isaac. Okay. Now this is where faith and truth and all that are running into life. Okay. Abraham's got a son, 15 year old son that he loved. But it can't be in God's plan that he and Isaac are together. Not going to work. The, the blessing is going to come through Isaac. Remember earlier, Abraham asked, well, can't Ishmael have the blessing? No, Isaac's got it. Not going, to, not going to work that way. So it was necessary for him to separate them to get rid of a son. That had, it was necessary, but it had to be really hard. Now, I know some of you parents are getting that dreamy look in your eye about, you know, you get rid of a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but deep down, you really wouldn't want to, would you? Deep down, you think, no, I, I couldn't do that. That would be really, really hard to take your son that you'd raised for 15 years and, and just send him off. So how did Abraham do that? Well, he did it by faith. He had to do it for God's plan to work. Okay, so if that's the story, and if those are some of the points, now let's see if we can apply any of those, and if any of those make sense in our faith walk. The first part is about the birth. Have you ever believed God against all hope and against all facts? You ever have to do that? I mean, think about that for a while. That's our picture of faith. That's our example of what the father of the faithful is. He believed God against all hope and against all facts. You ever do that? Well, you may be thinking, I don't know if I have or not. Yeah, you have. Let's start with some easy stuff. Anybody in here believe in creation, that God created the world in six days? Yeah. A whole bunch of you believe that. Okay. Do, do you gain facts for that? Can you prove it? Well, no, not really. That's what the scientists keep telling us. But, but you believe God did it. You believe Jericho's walls fell down? You read that story and believe that? Yeah, I believe that. I mean, there are no facts that it should have happened. But I believe it did. You believe David killed Goliath? Yeah, I'm going with that. All of those stories are against hope and against facts. 
Yeah, a young teenager going to beat the, the best professional fighter in the world? How about this one? Salvation. The story of salvation. You believe, you put your trust in Jesus, confess his name before people, let somebody put you under some water, and you believe that your sins went away? There's no facts to prove that, but we believe it against all hope, against all facts, because we believe in God. Okay, you getting the drift here, how this works? You believe the Holy Spirit works? Anybody tell me how he works? No, I don't know how he works. I believe he works. See, all of those things we believe because we believe God, in essence, against all hope and against all facts. Those are the easy things. Now let's try the hard stuff in your life. You ever run into something? When you look at it, you say, I don't know how this mess is going to work out. This is such a huge problem. This is so bad. I don't know how God can work this out. But I believe he's going to. That's when faith comes in. I mean, if you got all the facts, if you got all the logic and all the reason, you don't need a whole lot of faith. Faith comes when you don't have any of that. When you can't see how. That was Abraham's whole deal here. He didn't know how this was going to work. It was against all hope, against all facts. Okay, so when those things come in your life, go back and read Abraham's story. Apply this. Okay, I can question God. I can ask him questions. I can wonder about how this is going to work. I can admit I don't know how it's going to work, but I still believe he's going to do it. Your faith walking. Okay, last little application I got there is the difficult separation of Isaac and Ishmael. You ever have to make a difficult separation in your life? Someone or something that is in the way of God's plan. I know God wants this to happen. And that can't happen if I'm with hanging around with this person or I've got this thing in my life or if God's given me the job of raising my child, they can I can't do that right if the someone is in their life. I, I've got to make this separation. And you fill in the details. But uh, none of them are going to be any harder than Abraham's. Get rid of his own son. But that was God's plan. To, to make God's plan work, that son couldn't be there. Okay? For God's plan to work in our life, sometimes somebody... Can't be there. We've got to separate them out. Sometimes something can't be there. We've got to get rid of something for God's plan to work. Okay, those hopefully are some applications in our own faith walk. Okay, next week we'll tackle his uh, Isaac's sacrifice and see once again Abraham's faith and maybe a little bit of Isaac's faith, but we'll learn a little bit about faith walking from it. If you're here this evening and need to respond to the Lord's invitation, we'd be happy to help you with anything you have in need. We're going to stand and sing at this time. Come if you have some need.